Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are watching on YouTube, please click that like button, click the subscribe button, and as always, smash that notification bell so that you are notified every single time that we go live. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show check out our youtube channel or the youtube channel of the cms network and if you'd like to download audio versions of the show just google talking into infinity podcast and do not forget if you would like to join us on screen as a co-host during the discussion just click tii.cmspn.com and it'll take you right into our green room and we can bring you onto the show live or jump in the chat and do it that way either way so uh, without further ado Let's bring my very good friend Brian on. What's going on, man? How's everything going? What time did we get home? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> did I just oh. get home five minutes ago, it feels like? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty late. It was, God, what was it? Because the show was over at like 1130. Well, let's first of all backtrack. What, what did we do last night? Well, we <laughs> were in McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania. And uh, we went to see Trauma, Marty Friedman, and Queensryche. So uh, that was that was our adventure last night, and um, it was it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Uh, you were late, so I was driving around killing time. <laughs> I was not late. You were late, my friend. You were late. Fifteen minutes. I, plus, I told you that before, so that's not late. You're you're an, you're an idiot, man. Take off work next time. <laughs> I got out of work at noon. I was just driving around. <laughs> Dude, we still had two plus hours to kill before the show. Yeah, well, thank God too, because that food took a while. We'll get to that, but uh, oh my gosh, Chastity Crawley is uh, checking in. Good to see you, Chastity. Thanks for tuning in. She says hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, so we should have um, a guest calling in, and uh, who who went to a different show a week ago. So uh, our good friend Robert Husted is supposed to be calling in. So uh, we'll talk to him real soon. But um, before we get to him, uh, we hit the road yesterday at was like four o'clock or something. Yes. And um, headed out east through the shitty Pennsylvania mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was that was a good time. It's always fun driving out there. So, uh, yeah, we, we drove well, about what a little less than two hours to go see the show yeah no matter what i go what show i go to outside pittsburgh i always feel like i'm in uh the movie the deer hunter the opening 
like cause that's where all the, the people are from like that area that you know go off to vietnam and i don't know it's just, <laughs> right. it's still, it still looks the same like it's just all those rolling mountain hills and like those super old 19th century houses and it's like the buildings like nothing's been updated at all you know like you're it's like <laughs> right. you're stuck in like 1967 or something it's it's very strange i i don't know but the venue we were in now did we follow up on the history of that they i guess they totally gutted that and redid it the inside is that what we're thinking yeah I, yeah i saw some pictures of it and it was kind of jacked up so i mean it was really gutted and they um they went in and man they made it nice that was a beautiful venue man it was that was a great place to see a show i was really impressed with it so yeah i liked it because it looked like there's others i don't think there's any seating downstairs but there was balcony seating and like there was plenty of like good places to stand and get a good view if you wanted to stay downstairs yeah it, it was kind of funny when we walked in because we walked in as trauma was in like their last couple songs and you went holy shit i should have brought earplugs and i said <laughs> yeah, oh no it'll, it'll probably be it'll probably be quieter up in the balcony <laughs> no no it was not no not not really i don't think it was quite as bad as when we first walked in but i must have got used to it but yeah i i what's the the so the view from the top one man i couldn't take that was thank god i found earplugs for that one because <laughs> right. i'm just to the point now where i probably just better bring them in because you know i love to feel it and i love the music loud stuff you know but but man i don't want to be like literally hurting or not enjoying enjoying the experience <laughs> which i was <laughs> a little funny. scared when we first walked in but uh yeah man i mean that was that was quite an interesting bill there you know you had like those you know those kind of masters of i guess what are their bay area thrash wherever they come yeah. from yeah <laughs> and uh yeah they, they you know they they sounded like they were still like kind of right out of that early '80s, you know, sort of Exodus, Testament sort of feel to them. Yeah, you know, Violence, whatever those type of bands. They were, they were solid, and then Marty Friedman came on, and well, you'd seen him at the Grog Shop here, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I um, I'd seen him twice, and the first time was actually at the Beachland Ballroom, and it was it was um. At this point, it was several years ago, but it was right when he had announced, okay, well, you know, I'm coming back and I'm actually doing a U.S. tour. He hadn't done that in forever, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, so, God, how many years ago was that? It was like 15 or 16, I want to say. But um, in any case, yeah, I did see him then again at the Grog Shop, and God, I remember seeing him that first time. His band was unfrickin' real, man. I mean, he had this, like, little Japanese female bass player that was, she couldn't have been five feet tall. She was tiny, and she was just tearing it up. And his rhythm guitar player was was harmonizing solos with him. He's just, his name is Jordan uh, Ziff. He actually ended up in Rat for a minute, um, taking the Warren Martini position. And then his, his drummer, this guy, Chargy, holy shit, man. <laughs> that guy was amazing. And then the, the second time I saw him... Uh, it was a smaller venue. The grog shop holds what two hundred people or something, and it, it's a low ceiling. And Chargy literally was hanging from the rafters. He would stand on his drum kit and grab the rafters and start swinging back and forth, man, like like it was a jungle gym. The guy is unbelievable. So as soon as I saw that you know Queensrÿch was you know touring and they announced Marty Friedman as the opening act, I was like, oh hell yeah. Yep. So and I was I was. I, I've been like pimping out how great he is to everybody. So I was praying that all of a sudden that I just it wasn't like one of those situations where I just happened to catch two really good shows and it's not an indication of how he is all the time. And thankfully that was not the case, man, because I know it, it was pretty cool because I saw you like really getting into it right off the bat. I was like, okay, this is good. And 
I, I texted my wife this. I, I said people are really loving it because it was that it was that cheering that was like you know when when somebody hasn't seen something, right? And it's that holy shit, this is amazing. It was that kind of cheer. So it was man, oh man, and it, God, he was he was just ripping, dude. And I mean, even for like a short set, I I thought that he wrote that that set so well and it just played to the crowd and you know i mean what 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 did you think of marty friedman yeah it was it was good i didn't know exactly what to expect i, I think i was expecting it maybe to be i don't know poppy or something just because he does that j-pop stuff which yeah i don't even know what that even means off <laughs> full disclosure i think i've heard some of it before but it was an awesome mix of like metal blues rock and then even that very last song um i have no no idea i think it actually had a japanese name i forgot what he called it but it yeah you know it kind of reminded us i told you it sort of reminded me of happy song off of uh petrucci's solo album you know it had sort of that that pop punk you know drive a melody cool melody on a, on a rock guitar and uh i always love like would you see a, a solo guy like that if they have a second guitar too many times, like that guitar isn't even like it's like is it even turned on? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but his was for sure on. They were doing a lot of cool harmony things, and uh, you know, and he let him take some solos too. And I and I like that kind of thing because if if that guy's up there good enough to support you, then he should be good enough to you know do some stuff on his own too. Yeah, and uh, and I want to hear those harmonies in there. And the drummer, man, anytime they get a drummer constantly gets up there and stands like <laughs> yeah i don't know how those guys do like they stand on the bass drum and then on the stool like i mean you and i would topple over just trying to climb up there in five seconds like <laughs> i know but they're I, standing dude, up I, there and they're playing like two same time like, I'm, I'm almost positive he's got actual stands that'll support his weight because he was okay he, he was i mean you can't just stand on a drum kit for as long as that guy was doing it like it was it was it was pretty crazy. But man. even like, even if he did have something like that, just having the balance to just keep doing that like over and over, like I'm gonna yeah. go crazy on a song, then I'm gonna go stand up here and uh, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a good opener for Queens, right? Because you kind of don't want you don't want something like totally just falls to the wall metal, you know? Like I think having Trauma go first and then putting Friedman, you know, I mean they're they're probably gonna do that anyway just because he's a well more well known. But but I thought that was a decent opener for for. This, for this version of Queens, right for what they do now, at least. Yep. Well, let's get the opinion of our good friend Robert Husted. What's up, man? Good to see hey, you. Hey, good to see you both. So, so what did you think of uh, Trauma and Marty Friedman specifically when you saw the show? You, where, where was your show? It was you went to the Fort Wayne concert, right? Yeah, I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, at the okay. uh, Clyde Theater. Okay. So honestly, so when I first like saw, you know, I was like, oh, Queens, you know, tickets. And then you know, I saw like the beginnings, uh, the beginning bands. And for once, uh, I thought like you know Marty Freeman was in the band Trauma. So I was like trying to like look like whether when Trauma was playing, I'm like, Ooh, where's he at? <laughs> and then, nice. and then once the uh, Trauma was done, then it went to like uh, the Marty Freeman band. I said, Oh, I'm just dumb and didn't read. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like honestly, uh, Trauma's uh, really good. Like I'm not huge into thrash metal. But still, they were just like off the walls, just rocking hard. Yep, especially especially like, I mean, I hate to say like oh, those guys are old, but I mean, I mean they are. I mean they're like late fifties, early sixties. If I if I did my research properly, and like like I was saying to Brian before you jumped on, like that guy's voice was fucking incredible. I mean he was wailing, man. 
and it was like heavy and it was like thrashy. It, it was cool. I, you know, um, you know, and obviously Brian and I were just talking about Chargy, Marty Friedman's drummer. I mean, dude, what was your impress- impression of that guy? Oh my gosh. I, I'm pretty sure he did some sort of like drugs beforehand. Cause I'm like, there's no way he has <laughs> that much energy just to go like ham on the drums constantly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That guy, that guy is just off the chain, man. Oh yeah. He, oh God. So the the other thing that was kind of like interesting about our show is it was really freaking loud. I, was was your show like blaring like like ours was because it was I mean Brian was right in front of me we had interesting seats like we had, we had single seats he was one row one row in front of me we were on the aisle and when I wanted to say something to him, I mean I'm right there I'm like two feet from him. I had to lean over and damn near scream into his ear <laughs> like, and I talk loud so I mean it was it was crazy loud how was it when, at the venue you saw it at I didn't think it was that loud but also I brought earbuds. <laughs> So it's just one of those things where I'm like, um, sure, I, just in case. Right. It's like I'd be getting when trauma was playing. I'm like, this doesn't seem that loud. And then I took just like them both off, said, nope, they're going back in. That's way too loud. <laughs> right. I, I, want, I wonder if it's like just the venues we saw it at or if the sound guy really is like cranking that up. I, I liked it, actually. I, I thought it sounded phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think you lost a little bit of bass guitar. I mean, I know in our mix, Brian, what, what did you think? I thought we missed a little bit of the bass guitar. Um, but... Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, I was curious if we'd been down on the floor, you know, if that, if we could hear that a little better, because you're down there, yeah. like, actually on the wooden floor itself, you know, rather up mm-hmm. in the concrete balcony like that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the mix was, you know, I thought the mix was, was pretty good for as loud as it was, you know, it could have been, like, way worse, obviously, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I, everything cut through pretty good, you know, I mean, it would, it would have been cool to maybe a little bit more, you know, maybe a little more low end, just clear, you know, clear that up a little bit, but I don't know, again, when those speakers are hanging like that and we're way up like you know high up like that i don't know you know is it can you really feel much bass if you're up there like that anyway i don't know it's hard to tell sometimes so so what do you guys prefer to show like do you prefer if it's like a little too loud or if it's a little too quiet like i i know it's weird to say but like i i kind of prefer if it's a little too loud because if it's quiet i get pissed off i'm like i could listen to it at this volume in my damn car (laughs) like I'll, i'll never forget going to see motley Crue. And this thing was like the late 90s or something. It was one of the first few years after Vince Neil came back. And I'm sitting next to my brother at, at uh, Quick and Loans Arena here in Cleveland. And we're having a, a conversation with each other at this level as the concert's going. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, where's the damn volume? <laughs> so do you guys prefer it that way? Or do you, you know, prefer it a little bit louder like it was at both the shows we saw uh, with Queensryche? Um, I personally prefer it louder just because, you know, just you feel that energy from the amps and just like, yep. you know, hitting your body and you're like, yes, let's go. Yep. I, yeah. I just can't listen to it quiet. I mean, Brian, you were talking about bringing like, like earplugs and stuff. And I know, I know Robert, you said you had, you had some buds in and I mean, so what, what about you, Brian? I mean, would you prefer it a little quieter naturally? Um, or? I, well, what I don't like is if, if you go somewhere and, and the guitar doesn't cut through. Because, you know, this is the main kind of music that you and I listen to is guitar-based, you know, metal-based, rock-based. And if it's not loud enough and that guitar doesn't cut through, it really loses. You know, you want the vocals to come through, too, but you don't want it to be a karaoke-type thing, you know. And so I still always think that the guitar is kind of the most important thing for these kind of concerts and this this type of music. And, uh, and, and when we saw Petrucci, I was a little worried because you know it's just guitar solo music like that you know and it's just a three piece or whatever it was 
But man, they had that thing. <laughs> there was no mistake, and that thing was blistering through the PA at House of Blues, <laughs> right. and that's how you wanted it. You know, it was almost a little too loud for that, but at the same time, it has to cut through like that. So I'll I'll prefer it louder as opposed to, you know, you have to feel it. You know, especially the guitar. Yeah. So all right, so let, let's get to the set list. And Robert, I don't know if you remember the set list that you saw, um, but Brian pulled up the one that we got last night, and I. I was kind of surprised because there were only two songs that I wanted to hear. I knew they were going to play a bunch of stuff off the new record. So um, I did not get the song I, that I wanted off the new record, surprisingly. Um, excuse me. And there was like a an album cut they always play that I didn't get either. I was like, okay, that's kind of surprising. But I, I, I kind of dug it. Like, So but before we go like you know song by song real quick to go through it, I mean, was this your first time seeing Queensryche, first of all, Robert? Yeah, this is my first time uh, seeing Queensryche. Okay, so on, on this on this tour, they kind of they they did some really deep cuts, man. It was it was really cool. So, were you disappointed in the set list you got, or are you familiar enough with the band to be like, okay, I know this song, I know this song, or was it kind of like, hey, where's like half of Empire and half of Mindcrime? Like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, they played. Um... They played like I say, maybe over half of like what I knew, like off the top of my head. Like they played some Mindcrime, played some Empire. Uh, some off the new, which they played one of the songs off the new uh, album, which I wanted to hear really badly. So I said, and that was like the first thing they played. I said, yes, this is going to be epic. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like Brian, like he, the one, which one was it that they opened with Brian? It was uh, so, yeah, behind, behind, the- behind the walls. Yeah. That must yep. be your favorite too. Yeah. That, that is just, oh man, I couldn't believe they started with that, but it it is a great one to start with, man. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was, that was definitely a surprise. I was like, Wow. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a band not open with the opening track from their new record, and that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, and of all the ones that they could open with, I mean, Behind the Walls was a really interesting choice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was. I I I really like the fact that they that they dug really deep into the catalog for this tour, because I mean there's a lot of bands that I've seen a bunch of times that I, I previously like, I wouldn't miss if they came around like, like Megadeth or Anthrax. And now I'm just like, okay, like I, I don't go out of my way to see it because it's like, I've seen 95% of the show already so many times. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get like lone justice and gung ho and all that stuff from Anthrax, you know, like skeletons in the closet. Like, no, I'm going to get Indians and caught right. in a mosh and antisocial. It's like, you know, and then the new record, like, okay, whatever. So, I really liked the the deep cuts that they played. So uh, go through the set list a little bit, Brian. Robert, if you remember, like, you know, chime in, see if you, if you got what we got. So, yeah, uh, start with Behind the Walls, then Don't Look Back, which I think is the first uh, LaTorre album. Yeah. Uh, then we went to The Warning. We got back-to-back Child of Fire, uh, Enforza, um, Spreading the Disease. Uh, but the new album, In Extremis, uh, Light Years, which I think is off, is it off The Verdict? I think it's the, I think it's on The Verdict, yeah. Okay. Um, Sick Death, Forest, uh, back-to-back new ones. Two off of Empire, Jet City Woman, Empire, um, I guess technically two off of Mind Crime, My Empty Room, which is more of an interlude, Into Eyes of a Stranger. And then they come back and we just go total old school. <laughs> Deliverance, which I had no idea that was coming. Yep. Uh, Queen of the Reich, and then I, I was on record with you. Roads to Madness, probably my second favorite 
Queensryche song ever. So the the interesting thing is literally if you don't count my empty room, two songs from Mind Crime. That's that's pretty. I don't know if the word is ballsy, but <laughs> surprising, you know, when spreading the disease, that was definitely a surprise. I mean, that's one of my favorite tracks on there, but you don't expect to get that over, you know, maybe actually Mind Crime or Breaking the Silence or um, Believe in Love. Well, th- that's the one I wanted. I, I yeah. love I Don't Believe in Love, and it's like we didn't get it. <laughs> so I, I wanted that one, and I, and I wanted off the new record Lost in Sorrow. I was really surprised they didn't play Lost in Sorrow because, I mean, you know, we're we're gonna dig into the record itself here in a little bit, um, but I, I mean that song is so catchy. Like it just it, it it would be such a great song live, and it doesn't have any crazy notes for Todd Latore except for like one or two at the end. And I was really surprised that they didn't play it. I would have taken that over um, probably the other Latore stuff. I don't. Know, I I just well when we get into it, I'll say more. But I just think the new album just. It's not even close <laughs> yeah. when you compare it to the others that he did. I mean, this just it's just so good. Robert, were there any songs that you didn't get that you were hoping to see? Um, Honestly, they could have played all of Mind Crime and I would have been stoked, but we only got the two songs, which I'm like, you know what? It's better than nothing. Um, <laughs> actually, not really. I was kind of surprised they like, dug deep into the catalog with like uh, Enforza and Child of Fire. I said, oh, my gosh, we're going old school now. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I I really like when bands do that, man. I know on Van Halen's last tour, you know, they opened with "Light Up the Sky," and you know they had "Drop Dead Legs" and stuff like that, and it was like nice. Like it's just always hearing just the hits gets kind of old, and so I was I was really glad that they, you know, and and they announced it right, you know, as soon as they announced the tour too, they were like, "Hey, man, we're changing up the set list." And I mean, it, it's funny because like you hear bands say that, like I'll I'll never forget I went to a, a like a poison show one of those it was like poison and cinderella and rat and stuff at blossom music center out here at the amphitheater and they were like oh yeah you know i i heard this interview with brett michaels like yeah we're totally changing up the set list they changed out (laughs) one damn song i was like are you kidding me right now they, like what a bunch they, of bullshit! They shove a Samantha Seven song down your throat too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they did. That was one of the tours that, when um when CC did that. Yeah. So I'm like, shut up, man! Like, and it happens all the time. Bands are like, oh, we totally changed it up, and they don't they swap out like two songs or something. But I mean, yeah, they really went back. I mean, the warning and you know, like I said, Roads to Madness. I mean, I, I don't. Would you consider Roads Roads to Madness a deep cut, guys? What do you think? I mean, wasn't that also from The Warning? It's from The Warning. I, I think it's their second longest song, too. Like, if you can't, uh, Sweet Sister Mary and, like, Rose Amanda's close to 10, 11 minutes if they do the whole thing. I'm not sure yeah. if they cut that short a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I kind of feel like they might have played that at the Raxino show, like, six years ago, but I'm not 100% positive on that. I don't think I've ever seen that one live before. No, okay, well then, because they, yeah. they, we were at that same show, I know. You, you mm-hmm. went to two there, I think I just went to one. Yeah. But I mean, even stuff like Child of Fire, like you listen to it and you're like, damn, it's like, it's so simple, but like, it just carries me back to that, you know, we're, we're older than, than Robert, obviously, it just carries me back <laughs> yeah, to like, <laughs> to getting that cassette, like literally getting that cassette in 1985 and like going... Oh my God, these guys are like metal gods, you know, and he, he, and it, they just ride that riff out, and then the vocals come in, and it's just, 
I don't know, there's just something about Queensryche, and maybe I'm I'm kind of on a high lately on them after seeing the show and the new album, but they're just a very unique band. There is no other band that sounds like them. They've been able to get this new singer and sort of do a perfect transition of of getting some really good new stuff and playing all the old stuff. And wasn't that kind of the deal was, you know, that they wanted to play a lot of this old stuff, and Tate was kind of like didn't really sort of want to go there? Yeah, he... He had started pushing back on it. Going, I mean, that's that's why it's weird that now he's out there on his own tours doing nothing but the old stuff. Well, that's that's how it always kind of happens, you know. You, you sort of just yeah. sort of fall back into, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I I think he gets. I think it's a smart business decision. I, I bet he oh, doesn't sure. really want to do that, but I think he knows that the only way he's going to pull an audience is by doing, you know, Rage for Order and Empire and stuff. I mean, right. I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like, I I would go see him once live just to hear his voice i mean it's cool like the show that you saw that i wasn't able to go to big rock hits or whatever but when he announced the rage for order empire thing i'm like oh i'm going to that like and now overseas he's doing operation mind crime in its entirety and man you and i talked about it brian and and robert if you want to jump in if it's close like dude i'll road trip for that i mean to see that record live in its entirety i mean holy shit especially the places he's playing the tickets are like 30 bucks I mean, why wouldn't you? But if he, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Mike. No, go no, for so it. That almost, that almost seems like a steal, like right there, like boom, thirty dollars. Yeah, thank you. I'll take that ticket. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it's so inexpensive. I mean, you know, and it kind it kind of goes like we like we were talking about Marty Friedman when I saw him at the Grog Shop, the VIP ticket. And the VIP was you get to hang out with him on his tour bus before the show. He'll sign anything you want. You get guitar picks and all this other crap, and you just sit there and bullshit with them on his tour bus for as long as you want. It was seventy five dollars. <laughs> I was like, wow. "Oh my god!" Like, yeah. And so to see somebody like Jeff Tate for that price, especially playing that record, is oh my god. But yeah, I mean, I mean, to your point, Brian, about you know changing singers and stuff like that. I mean, it was. I, I'm. It's hard to think of another band that has had such a successful transition. I mean, I mean, can you think of one, Robert? I mean, Brian, we were talking about it last night. What bands did we think of? I mean, if, if you if you could think of any, Robert, go for it. I mean, Brian, I know you said ACDC, but it's like that was like a death. They had to make that change. But for a band that just decided to change, I mean, can you think of another band? It was like, I mean, Van Halen comes to mind for me, obviously, because, you know, they have four straight number ones with Sammy Hagar. But, I mean, other than that, I can't think of very many bands that – you know, changed their lead singer and just kept putting out awesome stuff. No, I, I, I can't, I can't either. I think Van Halen was the best one we came up with to go back to the show real quick. My one, uh, downfall for sure was, uh, annoyance, nothing from rage for order, (laughs) (laughs) not one song. I was like, no, I was so mad. I, I thought for sure we'd get something, but you know, we'd walk in the shadows or, or uh, I don't know. Well, I probably won't get anything like London, but oh, walk in the sh- just at least give us walk in the shadows, you know, or whisper, listen, something like that. But yeah, but uh, we didn't get it. But that's okay. That was that was an excellent uh, way to crap crap on my question there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Van Halen. Uh, back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to forget. Well, well, all right. So go back to your point. Kale McLeish says, "I know Iron Maiden." Yes. So we, we kind of debated Iron Maiden and like. Was Paul Diano a big enough influence on them? You know, do we care that much about Paul Diano's voice? 
because we're so ingrained in Bruce Dickinson, I guess. And, I, and yeah. I'm not trying to downplay Paul Diano. I'm just trying to be objective here. I, are, are you are you familiar with Iron Maiden very much, Robert? Uh, not their newer stuff. I'm more like I say the older stuff. Like I have the okay. their, their first album on vinyl. So the good oh, stuff. Wow. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So all right. So you're familiar with. So Paul Diano was on the first two. So it'd be the self-titled and then Killers. Killers. Um. What was the first Bruce record? Was it Peace of Mind? Number of the Beast was yeah. before that. That's right. Um, yeah, Kale. I we talked about that too. I, I, man, what do you think, Robert? Because I mean, Brian brings up a good point. Like, were they big enough on those first two records for it to really matter? Because I mean, I need, uh, people only really know the Bruce Dickinson stuff. They, they think of him as Iron Maiden, Paul Dean. Oh, he was a, there was a different singer. Like, so what do you think? I don't. I don't know if that's comparable to Queensrÿche. I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Cause I mean, like, I'm trying to think back. I'm like, they not like it sounds the same, but it's like I don't think it made much of a difference. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just think like, let's see. Oh, here's one. Okay, Cody Bennett. Good to see you, man. He says Pink Floyd. Maybe I'm not familiar with Floyd, so you guys would have to. Well, speak to they're that. talking about like Sid Barrett, but you know he OD'd or whatever. But then they just okay. kind of you know they split the stuff between Roger Waters and Gilmore. So okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to think of a band that was really established and then made that swerve and just kept up the quality. I mean, I mean, audiences I Man, you know, I mean, even their audience I think picked up a little bit with Todd Latore because I, I they were playing small places at the end with Jeff Tate cuz those man, after Promised Land, those Tate records sucked ass. I mean, I love Queensryche, but you you can just take all that crap. Tribe and American Soldier and Mindcrime Two. What a travesty of justice that was! Well, um, you didn't like Mindcrime Two? What? Oh, <laughs> dude! You know it's 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 funny because we'll talk about this when we dig into Digital Noise Alliance here in a minute. But you know, the whole thing behind that record was Michael Wilton dug out all of the old equipment from. Uh, like the classic stuff, like when they originally did Minecraft, so it had that sound. I'm like, it doesn't sound like that. But the new record, he, apparently, I read it, I read a review. It said he did that this time too, and it does sound like that. So I don't know if it's like the change in recording technology or something, but yeah, Minecraft too is a piece of shit, man. And then that, <laughs> oh god, it, it was oh god, it was so bad. And what what was that? What was that last one like that they did that was just tribe uh, or no no that was god what the hell was it i mean you, you can look up the discography brian but it was that oh my god it got so shitty and i mean here in the now frontier what the hell was that yeah i li- i remember listening to that album and like you know because I, I was like right after i discovered queen's with empire i'm like bro this is awesome so i <laughs> ran out go like grab a bunch of stuff what was really funny is that i was gonna buy operation Minecrime. i looked at the um uh like the cover of it, I said, "Nah, this is really weird. I'm gonna go get something else." <laughs> I then proceeded to, and proceeded to take uh, here in the now frontier. I'm like, "Oh, that was a really dumb decision to me." <laughs> I was gonna say, hindsight being 2020, how dumb do you feel? <laughs> yes, very. Frequency, frequency unknown is the album you're thinking of, John. I think. What? No, 2013. I, 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 no, that's the first album Tate did with. Uh, after he left the band, but it was under the Queensryche banner because that's the one that was F U. Oh, okay. That's, nobody's that's, nobody's in that. Okay. Yeah. Other than him. So it was right. it was it was the it was the one before that one. Uh, signs of chaos or something something chaos. 
Dedicated to chaos? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Gotcha. God, what a shit sandwich. Oh, dude, it was like, it's unbelievable. Like, I understand that, you know, bands might want to, like, expand their sound and do different things, but... I mean, Jeff Tate just took that band in, in such a weird freaking direction, and it just wasn't good. I mean, well, I, you know, they sort of burned out when Grudge came around and everything, and it was it really wasn't cool to play what they were doing. So that that probably didn't help, you know. And then they probably just got tired of each other, and then you know Tate's ego got the better of him. I mean, there were plenty of bands you know pretty much petered out and we're done you know but some it, that, that's what's so awesome is they were able to, to to bounce back here and and they still have two key players i mean eddie jackson's still in it and so is michael wilton you know and and when those two guitars start going and him and you know even if you don't like mike stone or whatever like you know you can't tell a difference when those guitars are up there and playing in harmony blasting away those classic tunes you know yep i <laughs> dude i know i shouldn't be an idiot but mike stone will forever piss me off just because of that story, you know. At um, least you don't hold, hold a grudge ever. That's why I like oh, about you. Oh, dude. Like, I mean, Robert, I don't know if you know this, but um, the uh, some of the lyrics in the Dream Theater tune, As I Am, are written about Mike Stone, that the other guitar player in Queensryche right now. Because when he was in the band back then, I, they were touring, and they, they tell the story in um, Rich Wilson's biography, Lifting Shadows, about they're on tour, and Mike Stone is was trying to give John Petrucci guitar tips. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. It's like, What? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I just remember, like, how cocky of a prick do you have to be to walk up to somebody who is obviously light years beyond you talent-wise and start trying to tell him what to do? It's like, oh, my God. That would be like me walking up to Todd the Tory and be like, you know, Todd, you should really, like, work on your warm-up technique and maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, a bel canto here and there. Like, like, shut up, you hack. Like, what are you doing? That would be like me walking up to you and telling you how to get drunk, you know? Like, really? <laughs> you are such Seriously? an asshole. You are such an asshole, man. And besides, who are you to talk? You you spend like two dollars and fifty cents on the most rock cut shit ever and mix it together. This is the most ghetto concoction ever. How in the hell could you make fun of me when you drink that sweat? Hey, I spent like forty bucks on you last night and tolls. I spent thirty five dollars to park Damn. when we found out we could have parked five feet away for free. Well, but at least at least we didn't take a risk getting towed, and I did cover the tickets, and I did cover the gas, and I covered tolls on the way home. So no, don't you did. I covered tolls on the way home. We well, used my Easy Pass, you dick. Oh, that was on. Oh, you pulled that out before I got give you a chance to give my credit card. Okay, well, so I then, like I just said, I pay, man, you are. I'm gonna go over the. I'm gonna go over the invoice when we're done here, just to make sure. <laughs> I bet you will. I bet you will, man. Uh, Kale McLeish. He says, I've heard firsthand that Jeff Tate is a very strange man and doesn't allow support bands to actually look him in the eye. Kale, good to see you again, man. It's been a while. Um, I heard that too, but I've also heard that it's crap. So I, Yeah, that might have been I, like I, 20 years ago or something. I think he's yeah, known it some since then. Yeah, I, I met him. He was doing, um, it was full band, but he was doing an acoustic show in Kent out here a few years ago. And I met him after the show and got my picture taken and talked to him for a little bit. Um, got my picture taken with him. <laughs> Something. Yeah, I just got my picture taken at the show and took off. <laughs> like, <laughs> selfie, look where I'm at. Um, no, but like when I met him and talked to him, he was he was really cool. And maybe, you know, obviously I'm like a fan doing a meet and greet type of thing with him. But um, So it's maybe it's different. But 
I mean, he he was cool. He he didn't seem like he had an ego too much. He, he was pretty down to earth, from what I could tell. You were not so. allowed to touch his vest, though. He's very particular about that. <laughs> you you could you you could only touch the vest if you bought a bottle of Insania wine. Right. So. <laughs> so, um, well, cool. So, Robert, I mean, how familiar are you, uh, with the new record, Digital Noise Alliance? Um, I'm kind of familiar. Well, you're more than welcome to stay on because we kind of wanted to go through it. So you're more than welcome to stay on if you'd like, or you can jump off. It, it's it, it, the world is your oyster, as they say. <laughs> so, like, uh, so. Well, I say I only know a couple of songs, like Behind the Walls. Honestly, Behind the Walls is one of my favorite from that album, just because it's like the, it's kind of like the whisper for Rage of, or, uh, Rage for Order. Just the okay. way it's like it's it's not a straight up like four four like cut dry. It's like what would you call it? Swing swung. Yeah, it's 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 funny you, you mentioned that because my very first note for that song says rage for order vibe on this one. So <laughs> I, I kind of heard the same thing. Well, all right, so so we'll di- we'll we'll deep dive the record. But before you go, first of all, thanks for coming on and making some time. Appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, give us your thoughts on the new record and the songs you like and, you know, talk about it a little bit from your perspective. Oh, my perspective. Uh, hang on. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which ones I actually like. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? Like, like the new, the new, the new uh, Latori records have been really, really good. But I'm the same way. Like, I don't remember like song titles. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to remember. Right. Like, I mean, besides like you know, uh, uh, behind the walls. I'm like anything else. I'm like, oh no, for wasn't uh, their like ballad for that album like forests called? Wasn't it? Forest. Yeah. Forest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I like when like listening to the entire album. That one would just play. And I'm like, okay, this is a cool little ballad. And then I would like think nothing of it, and then it just go to the next song. I said, oh, okay, we're just going. Yeah, <laughs> nice. But yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm trying to like relate it somehow to Dream Theater, but I'm like, ah, that's not gonna happen. Um, but I don't <laughs> know. It's just one of those things too, where it's just like, it, I don't think they're are many songs uh, that I would skip on this album. Like, you know, the, all of them are pretty uh, just like, you know, rocking on like from like start to finish. Um, and for some reason, you know, the, their cover of rebel yell, I actually really like for some reason, but I don't know if that's just cause it's like, you know, I, I just like that song in general or cause you know, like Latour just singing just somehow it just like, it just makes me like stop everything I do and just listen. And I'm like, gosh, <laughs> this guy's good. See that that's the, that's the track I could do without. I mean, I, I like the song, and I, I think it's a perfectly fine version of it. I just think it's, I, I think because Queensryche is progressive and they're and they're really precise. I think them doing the song kind of it loses a little bit of that rock edge to it. I think, mm. you know, I th- I think the precision takes a little something away from it. I mean, I mean, Brian, I think if if, if I remember, you said you actually kind of like that cover, like Robert does. No. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well. <laughs> No, you know, there's there nothing. <laughs> there was there was nothing wrong with it. I just, you know, it, it's them doing Rebel Yell. It, there was nothing. It was pretty stock to the. If if they're gonna do that, I wish they would have maybe meddled it up a little more or something. I don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. but that's fair. Right, it almost well, cool. just seems like a. It seems almost just seems like a clear cut, clear cut like version of Rebel Yell. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. It's like to the T basically, which is cool. You know, hey. Right. Well, it's it's like it's like we were joking last night, you know, Dream Theater's out there covering like Tenement Funster and, you know, Stargazer and all this stuff. And, and Queens are, I guess, Rebel Yell. It's like, yeah. you know, so they're like, we want to have fun doing this. <laughs> I feel like trying to learn all this crap. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool, Robert. Well, thanks for coming on, man. It was great to see you again. And uh, feel free to jump on anytime, man. Heck yeah. Thank you, guys. 
All right, man. Take it easy. See you soon. See you guys. So there goes our good buddy, Robert Husted. Appreciate him coming on. Um, Sounds like he basically got the same set list that we did. So uh, apparently they're not really changing it up from city to city, which I guess is kind of cool. Uh, before we dig into the record here for a minute, where do you stand on that? Because I know I know Dream Theater isn't changing their set lists from city to city. I I I have to I have to admit I prefer like the way Mike Portnoy was doing stuff, like where he would change it up all the time. I kind of like that because you don't know what you're going to get. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they could. You know, they're probably going to play the same songs from the new album. You know, just to keep those those fresh and those pretty tight I mean, you know maybe they could rotate in some different things off of uh you know maybe throwing a don't believe in love or throwing in a, a mind crime title song um or breaking the silence or something or or you know i don't know another rainy night without you maybe that's a little too far out there <laughs> right you know they're not gonna bust out della brown you know i mean that's, I, don't, I don't think that's gonna happen as much <laughs> as I actually I, I know i love that song i love the bass line on it <laughs> i would i would totally go for some della brown dude oh dude that would be that would be amazing but uh yeah no i think this is a good good mix they have i just bummed there was nothing for rage for order but it's interesting because the way the set sort of flows or doesn't flow is kind of how I feel about the album. And I'll just go ahead and, and start that right now, I guess. Sure. I'm not, I'm not going to go right in the first track, but there are certain albums where you're like, I don't know that the songs flow together, but I don't care because they're all sort of unique and they all sort of stand on their own. It it, it sounds like to me almost like if I had gone to make a Spotify playlist, hey, I just, I'm just going to pick a bunch of Queen's Rec tunes and I'm not going to really put them in any order. And it's like, man, these are all kind of a little bit different. And I like that about this album. You know, there's 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 plenty of influences from the old albums, but but every song I think is different enough on its own and still maintains that Queensryche feel. And uh, I think it's hard to do that to to sort of like sit back and go, I don't know that these songs fit together in order, but it's still a great album. Yeah, I completely agree. It was, you know, we had talked about. All right, we're going to talk about the, you know, for tonight's episode, like a couple weeks ago, like, all right, well, we're going to talk about the concert. What else we get? What are we going to do? And I was listening to the new record to kind of familiarize myself with it because I knew they were going to play a bunch of stuff from it. And I was like, man, this is a really good record. So I suggested to you, why don't we just do a quick deep dive on it, you know, to cover the second half of the show. And you and I both said that, like, man, this is a really solid record. And I think I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, there, there's a lot of varying kind of stuff on here, but not so varying that it veers away from that classic Queensryche sound. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I mean, like, I mean, Forest is kind of, you know, that it, you know, they do have a, a kind of a longer ballad on it. And, you know, in Extremis is like a straightforward kind of rocking song. And, you know, Lost in Sorrow kind of sounds like a single to me. And um, I mean, there's just so many different flavors here, but it's, it's all under that, umbrella of Queensryche and the production is awesome I mean this record sounds amazing yeah so I mean that that's the first thing that I know it's like I I like the other Todd LaTorre records but I hear especially when you kind of go back to back to back with with you know this one you can really tell that I mean they they're, they've kind of gotten into their sound it's it's kind of like you know dream theater with you know once they got to you know, distance over time, you can kind of hear they're they're in their groove, you know, with Mangini and stuff. And I kind of feel like it's like that with Queensryche, with with this record with Todd Latore, because it's just I mean, this is 
I mean, th- this to me, I don't know how, how you feel. This to me stands up well against those classic albums up through Promised Land. You know, I mean, I, I think this really stands on its own against those albums. What do you think? I, I would say for sure. And like we said, we from what we know of this, they supposedly all basically recorded it live together. You know, this wasn't like guys in 12 different states, you know, um, you know, mailing files back and forth. And I guess Wilton, I think it was Michael Wilton was very was very adamant about doing it this way. And I think just having Latori in there, you know, I think he's just a guy that, you know, when he gets his hands on a song and he's doing it for Queens Reich, he's that fan that, you know, that heard the warning back in 84 or, or that traded his buddy at tapes to, to get the original EP. And and he's able to channel that and and really put that stamp on it. And it's like, you know, people can bitch say, oh, he's just copying what they are. It's like, yeah, but who cares, man? I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like it's not copying when it's influenced and it still has a little, a little bit of a modern feel. And I think his voice is starting to grow a little bit to where you're like, okay, it's not so dead on Tate anymore. There's there's a little bit of nuances in there. You know, you could definitely see Tate singing a lot of this stuff, but I think he's coming to his own as a singer. But I just think his influence on, and I don't know if Wilton was more concentrated on that too, but the other thing I'll say real quick, and I'll, and I'll probably repeat this 8 million times, but <laughs> the previous albums, I'll say it this way, there there is no guitar part other than maybe one song on here where it's just kind of on its own, and I'll use the term, hung out to dry. They put guitar harmony on almost every single note, phrase, solo, constantly. They're constantly trading solos, and then they'll do a harmony. You know, one person will do a solo, then they'll then they'll do a harmony, then they'll go back to another solo, then they'll do a harmony, and it's just it's it's super progressive. I mean, it, there's it's very dream theater to me in the approach of these melodies and stuff, and the way the guitars are doing things, and that that is simply not there on the previous albums and it you just have to grow into that i think yeah and i i think to your point you know you mentioned this last night we were driving home um and you know again to go back to distance over time one of the reasons i think that record is so solid for dream theater is you know to your point about you know digital noise alliance here you know they they got in a room and actually hacked it out together it wasn't the you know the file trading and i you know i mean it, it, it sounds like a really simple concept, but for people that don't play an instrument and haven't been in a band and, and haven't gotten together with guys and like written songs together, it is a vast difference in terms of, you know, the vibe. There's just an energy that comes out when you're actually standing in front of somebody else's amp, just, you know, blasting your face off or a drum kit or something. I mean, because I've done it both ways and I hated doing the file trading thing. It just it felt so sterile. And I, I think, you know, Digital Noise Alliance and Distance Over Time are two perfect examples of, you know, how you can ramp up the quality of an album just by taking the time to actually get together and do it, you know, quote unquote, the old way. And um, well, like, and you've you know, done you've done a ton of writing and I never really have. I mean, isn't there almost a creative competition too, an energy like, oh, my God, you came up with something great. So I better come up with something great here quickly, you know, and you're and you're kind of thinking quick on your feet as opposed to like, all right, I got, you know, four hours to sit around and, and practice something and then I'll, you know, email it over to you or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, the, the, the spontaneity of it. Right. Exactly. The spontaneity and it, like the immediacy. It, it, it creates an energy. You know, I, I think back to, you know, I, I talked a couple episodes ago about, you know, 
the record I did with my band APG, and there's a couple songs on there that, you know, one of them, uh, the second track, it's called Colorblind. I wrote that myself in like 20 minutes. And, you know, our guitar player, John, came in and just played this riff. It's the main riff of the song. And I was like, ooh, now go here. Oh, now, ooh, you go there. And you just you just feel it. And, you know, in the, in that song, I think you can you can feel there's a, there's an energy to it and a kind of a pacing. And it, it's something, like you said, you don't get if you're just, you know, you know just someone sends you like a track, like a drum track or something. And you're like, oh, what can I put over this? Like, as opposed to, you know, because somebody might, you know, there's no way to take that, you know, and make a left turn, I guess, is the way to phrase it. Because if someone writes a riff or a drum part and sends it to you, it's that's how it is. Whereas if you're in a room with somebody and they play, you're like, ooh, do that. And they might not play it the same way and it might take it to a different place you initially. So it, it's just, you know, it's much more fluid. It's not as sterile, I think. So, um, you know, and I think you can hear that on this record. I mean, it's... You know, and and the other thing I think that really stands out on this one is that you know th- this is the first time you know we've gotten Casey Grillo actually recording with the band, and you know the last record was Todd Latore on drums. He you know just did it in the studio, and I thought he did a, a really good job with the drums on that one. You know, it was very Scott Rockenfield esque. I mean, Scott Rockenfield is a very precise drummer, but he's got a certain style, and I thought Latore was good at it. But I thought Casey Grillo really nailed the Rockenfield vibe on this record, but added a little something to it. You know what I mean? Because Scott Rockenfield, there wasn't a lot of like flair. It was pretty much like pretty businesslike, I thought, for most of what he did. And Casey Grillo adds a little bit of flair to things. You know, stuff like, you know, Tormentum, that crazy, you know, middle part. Like he's doing all these weird things and, you know, stuff in Forest that he's doing. And there's some really busy kind of almost, you know, the drum parts I talk about really liking that Mike Portnoy does. Um, and Mike Mangini, when it gets kind of busy and stuff like that and parts over a really simple beat, he 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 does that a few times on this record. And I, I thought it really stood out. It's really, really cool. So, um, you know. And the other thing I noticed, and I don't know if you caught this too, but we talked about how on the latest Dream Theater record, A View from the Top of the World, it sounded like they're finally getting smart and like writing to James's voice now. like and So that you know he could do the new stuff without blowing himself up and hitting those super crazy high notes. And I noticed on this record, there wasn't nearly as many of the crazy high notes for Todd Latore. He kind of like picked and chose his spots with that. Did you notice that? Well, I mean, anything is going to seem toned down to that solo album because, my God, he was he was a, he was like yep. a demon in the stratosphere for yep. for that. Just to some of it where I thought it was like maybe maybe just let's hold off just a tad as much as I like that album. I thought it got you know almost a little bit grating at times how high he was, but yeah, on the, on this it's uh it's it's definitely contained. I I think I'll put it that way. You know, you you get your you get some decent kind of screams, you know, they're a little bit evil sounding, but it's you know it's nowhere near like as much as kind of the shriek that was on the solo album. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, dude, let's face it, the solo record was obviously written. <laughs> with the idea in mind i'm never gonna have to do this live right yeah <laughs> so it's like let's just unleash hell <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty much what it was but uh yeah his voice sounds great on this man i think um vocally i just i'll just say i'll just come around and say it man the courses they're just they're bigger they're catchier there's more harmony on them you know i, I don't know he sings harmony on most of the stuff live you know in the studio and then they split the parts up or if they had any 
backing tracks for harmony or whatever i don't even care because it sounded good yeah but uh but yeah i mean just the course the courses you know i mean they're just they're just way more melodic and they're more memorable and and they're they, they're turning out anthems now you know like you know that's the other stuff was was pretty decent with latori but there's nothing you could go like man this is like almost an anthem and we we have i think at least probably three if not four songs on here i to, to me would fit that category i i would agree with that that was uh you know, we'll run through track by track here in a minute real quick, but that was my main, one of my main two notes about this record was that I really liked the production on it. I mean, I mean, let's face it, Eddie Jackson has the best bass tone fucking ever. I mean, that I don't know what the hell that guy plays through, but he, he needs to sell his exact rig because, I mean, shit, I, I don't... I don't play bass very often, but if he if he put that out, man, I would buy that because I'm like I gotta sound like that. But um, it, you know the production was great, and as I I completely agree with you, the choruses really stand out on this record, and um, you know they they layered them well. The one thing I will say though is if you listen to the record in headphones, there's a lot of stuff going on in the choruses that they kind of buried in the mix, and mm. I I think a. I think some of it could be a little bigger and it would make it a little more lush, but I, it's hard to, it's, I mean, that's so nitpicky because the choruses are really big on this one. And, um, you know, I mean, starting out, I mean, let's, let's just, you know, go through it real quick, but I mean, in Extremis, I, I, I remember when they, when they dropped that song, I was like, this kicks ass. And I was singing it. I kept going back to it. I was like, you said, like, use the perfect term anthem. You know, I, I was, I kept going back to it, listening to it. I'm singing it like, man, you know, say goodbye. I mean, it's you know, it's just it it's it's great, man. And I mean, it it sounds like a classic Queensrÿche song, and you know, but it's got that really cool like kind of off time thing in the middle, and you know, it's got a few modern twists in it, and it, it and it's it's a great album opener. And the, I think the chorus is one of those you know, like you'll hear a chorus and like it'll be good, but it'll go someplace you're not expecting, and you go, ooh, I wasn't expect. This is one of those choruses that you don't mind having it now and again that exactly where you think it's going to go it goes yeah and it's just really it's cool so as soon as i heard this it reminded me of queen of the reich like <laughs> that yeah. riff you know they're just the shades of it and then you got some killer double bass drum you know starting off there's a uh the one thing on this uh if, if people that are big maiden fans that the melody is very similar the first note or two to maiden still life which is a classic tune off a of peace of mind but uh yeah, and in my notes, I do, I put let I just put let's talk guitar, guitar solos. My God, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> right? You know, the one question you know in your mind when you hear this first single, you're like, are they really back to kind of doing this prog, you know, this sort of prog metal type playing on every song? And and as we start going, the answer is uh, yes, they are. It's not just this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's just such a great way to start the record. I I remember when it came out, I I texted Aiken, and I said, man, you know. This this rocks, and he's like, oh, it's kind of stock, don't you think? I'm like, no, I mean, <laughs> it, I, if if by stock you mean a really good song, yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. I, I was I was kind of surprised he didn't dig it like I did, but um, you know, so so I mean, moving on, we, chapter uh, chapter two, idiot, uh, song two, we have chapters. Um, the, my first note is something I mentioned before we we got into an, an extremist. It, if, again, listen to this one in headphones. This is a good example. Listen to the chorus. There's some interesting stuff going on, uh, like guitar parts that you can't hear unless you really got it kind of cranked up. And it's it's really it's really cool, man. Um, I really like the groove on this one. Uh, I I really really dig how how the kick drum 
you know, it kind of keeps going as the chords ring out on top of the verses. Like, I'm always a big fan of, like, if you're ringing out a chord and the drums are, you know, I'm a big fan of that vibe. So, I mean, this is another pretty rocking tune. I really like this one. Yeah, I've got, it's like a splashy mid-tempo number. You get that hi-hat going. This 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 feels like... Something almost off the cutting room floor of if they needed something else to, to throw on Empire, but maybe they didn't totally finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has that feel to me. And there's also a very uh, mid to late 90s Fate's Warning feel. Uh, Todd really, he has a lot of com- in common with the singer uh, Ray Adler to me, um, you know, more than he does with Jeff Tate on this type of song. And they they're, they both kind of do this thing with they, what I call, it's like a dense melody Harmony moments, you know, the melodies in there is kind of dense, and I think this is what you're talking about because those guitar things are in there, and this is one of the first examples of there are two separate solos. They're broken up with a dual guitar, and then you come back to a dual guitar at the end. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I mean, the guitars are just... that. That's what makes this stuff. I mean, with without those guitars doing that stuff, this album is like, okay, it's, you know, it's all right, it's decent, it's fine. You know, or even if it just did it like fifty percent of the time, it's still a probably a pretty solid album. But the way they just constantly are just working those things and getting you those new melodic patterns with that stuff, I just think it's just like gold. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, I'm I'm gonna you know go back to what I said about you know this actually sounding like Operation Mindcrime and Empire and Prime, yep. you know it's got that sound, and I think it, it's. I don't mind when bands change the sound of their production. It's cool. I mean, obviously nobody really goes way out on a limb, but I mean, having that kind of anchor to the past with with just the the presentation of the audio, I it was so huge for me because I'm like, yeah, now this is this is Queensrÿche. So I'm really glad that it sounds like that. Um, moving on to track three, this is one of my. It, this has become one of my all-time favorite Queensryche songs, period. It's definitely my favorite song on the record, Lost in Sorrow. Um, this is one I could easily hear slotting in beautifully on Empire. Uh, I love the chorus. You know, it's like the chorus, I'm slipping into eternity, don't you know? Like, the, the way he hits that stuff and, it, you know, the, it, it kind of builds and it it doesn't go into the chorus, you know, the, the first time is really awesome. I mean, it's... Oh man, and at the end, this is this is where he, you know, he hits a couple of those really sky high Latori notes, and it's just so well placed and and just a, right in the perfect spot where it sounds awesome. And this this song is just so catchy to me. I when I was doing my, you know, when I was listening back to the record a bunch to you know kind of get into it for tonight's show, I just kept going back to this song over and over again. I'm like, man, this is good. You know, I'm slipping into eternity. Don't you know? That's such a great, and it, it yep. just—it's it, like this. The the vibe of that is so good, man. I love this song. I love this song. Yeah, it's that's funny. I my note on this one is that the the intro, the beginning riff. It, it's <laughs> there's some Reb Beach Winger going on there with that that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's totally there. But then we get into. What you're talking about, the Mind Crime Empire thing, because Eddie Jackson's got that bass line pumping, you know, and the guitars are chugging away. And, um, and especially, it, it, they're very similar to actually the song Empire with those guitar harmonies at the end of the chorus. You know, and, and like you're saying, it is a big, giant anthem of a chorus. And then after that, there's a part where the guitars are doing those. Queen's Reich is just their masters. There's like kind of those squealing, melancholy, sad type bends, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, the greatest example is probably what the solo and silent lucidity, you know, but they're yeah. doing that off. They, they can pull that off on almost every song and you're like, it still sounds good, you know? <laughs> and then it's... once again, there's more killer guitar harmonies. They need to go back to the bridge and you're like, they just pack all of this stuff in and it's like, it's, it's, it's not too much. It just, it just makes these songs what they are. Yeah. It, it's so weird. Like when I was listening to the record, I, I started thinking, I was like, okay, you know, I remember when Chris DeGarmo left and people were like, oh man, they're not, they're going to suck without DeGarmo. And like these Latori albums, especially this one, it's like, I, I find myself wondering, I was like, how much did that guy really write? Because he, he's not on this. And this sounds like you could have put this record out immediately after or before empire. And it would be perfect. And you would think, okay, this normal, you know, a normal progression. And I mean, like you said, the guitar work is is stellar, and the writing is great. I mean, it's man, it's just such a classic sound, and I, I really I really like it, man. So, uh, moving on, we have "Sick Death." Uh, for me, I really like the the riff in the beginning that that you know the 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 kind of the jog type of rhythm. I I love guitar parts like that. Um, yet another really big chorus, which is you know pretty much everything on this album has that. Um, I think I think this is I don't know if you'd agree or not. To me, this is the most quote unquote metal song on the album, at least to my ears. I think this is kind of the most, you know, kind of classic metal sound sounding song that they have on this one. But I think it's cool. Again, it, it's something different. You know, it's not as progressive, at least to me, and it's it's just a really cool vibe. You know, up against the rest of the songs. What do you think? Yeah, this one actually has almost even a more of a nod to Queen of the Reich if you really kind of listen to that opening riff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, here comes the the galloping, you know, beat with the drums, and uh, this, there's a pretty serious Maiden vibe on this. You know, Todd's really churn- channeling some inner Bruce Dickinson for sure. Um, I have a note to see. It was after the solos, I guess. There's some really cool stuff with the drums, and there's like some keyboards or just like some atmospheric sounds in the background. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of go back into that chugging riff stuff that you're talking about that you like bands doing. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean that this that that one definitely probably one of the heavier ones and and has the really super old school classic feel. Yep. Well, moving on, we have the uh, set list opener from last night's show, and I know you were a big fan of this. I was, <laughs> I, I, that was I, I have to admit, man, it was cool. Like you're a pretty reserved dude. And you were really getting into the show last night. It was, it was kind of fun. Like, I mean, it was, you know, because you know, I'm always headbanging an air guitar and playing drums and stuff. I'm a goof like that. But right. it was awesome seeing you kind of really get into it. And I know it was kind of cool because as soon as they went in behind the, the walls, I even I even heard you over the noise. You're like, yeah, because <laughs> like, I know you said that you really love this song. And, you know, Robert mentioned it earlier. And, I, you know, I think you agreed like. It, it, this de- this one definitely has a Rage for Order vibe on it, which is probably why you like it so much because I know you're a really big fan of that album. Yep. Um, this has this has some of Casey Grillo's best drumming on the record. I think I I really like the drumming on it. Um, the timing on the riff is is really cool to me. It, it almost feels like they stopped a note early. You know, it's it sounds like wasn't there supposed to be another note there? I really dig it. That's cool. Um. You know, to your point on some other songs, I think the guitar solos on this are just fantastic. Um, there's just a really cool driving rhythm throughout the song, and you know, Casey's doing some of the busy drumming that I really dig, and um, you know, the key change for the harmonized guitar solo. I, I'm always, I'm always into that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Like, I, I like when bands can kind of take you out of your comfort zone, but not 
do it in a way that's just stupid and weird like you know they're just trying to be weird for the sake of being weird and you know like i say my favorite on the record is lost in sorrow but i definitely love behind behind the walls so uh talk a little bit about this song since i think this is your favorite actually it it might be my second favorite it's hard it's hard to say but uh yeah i mean i love the keyboards they get those analog key you know keys on obviously they were just you know background no one's playing them live but they were there and i just i just think it fills up the sound i mean yeah massive rage for order vibe like there's bits of london you know kind of some shades of gonna get close to you and uh i I don't know man it's just a plotting you know neanderthal you know kind of metal (laughs) you know thing (laughs) that 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 just sort of kind of builds and builds and it's just super just really really hits you hard and uh I, i did not I did not think we would ever kind of get sort of back to this sort of a feel on a, any type of Queensryche. So the thing that, you know, seeing that they can do something like this now really has me excited for, you know, the next couple albums. If they hopefully can get, you know, maybe crank out at least two more with Todd would be awesome. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this man, I'm, see, you said it's it's it might be your second favorite. Now I'm trying to figure out which the hell song would be your favorite <laughs> so you threw me for a loop there <laughs> so, i'm just i'm just not on the same page with you tonight <laughs> you like, crapped on my question earlier now i'm like hey your favorite song no it's not like, <laughs> it's like but um well moving on uh we have nocturnal light um this this is the this is a song that really kind of grew on me because when i listened to it the first couple times i was like yeah okay but then as i went through the album a few more times i'm like yeah okay this is good you know um it's kind of a slow heavy groover you know to me and i really like the atmospheric sound effects they put in the verses it kind of it does something interesting so (laughs) robert houston says brian's favorite is the rebel yell cover (laughs) that's the only one i listen to actually yeah (laughs) i'm just making all this other stuff up i just started writing things down All the, yeah, guitar solos are good. Oh, big choruses. <laughs> Sounds classic. <laughs> just write that on everything. No one would even know the difference, would they? <laughs> you gave it away earlier when you're like, I'm probably going to say this 800 times, but <laughs> it's because you only have four notes for the whole album. Right. You're just changing up the verbiage. But um, so yeah, what, what do you what do you uh, think about Nocturnal Light? Yeah, I kind of have this as my sort of eh song. I do like the actual riff the guitar plays. This this one yeah. just feels like grunge. Uh, this is the one song on the entire album where I think I went back and played it like six times to double check. I do not think there is actually even one note of guitar harmonies on it, and uh, it's oh, kind of okay. it's kind of cool that because like I, I you know I do want to give props because I was saying before how you know they're sort of all over the place on this. Nothing is exactly the same as before. So on this one, I think they just said, you know what, we like the way this is the way it is. Let's not pile on a bunch of bunch of stuff on this one yeah it just just yeah. kind of feels like a just feels like a little bit grungy and uh i like the groove and i and I, I actually do like the riff cool yeah like i said i i think if i had to take or leave a song on the record i think this might be it excuse me um i don't know there's one coming up that i kind of might give that title to as well but we're not there yet so uh moving on we have out of the black uh for for me this is an interesting chorus this is this is one of those kind of different moments it's almost i, I hate you it's such a generic way to phrase it, but happy ish it's kind of like happier than 
you know the other stuff a, a little bit um you know I, I in spots i think it's kind of a different flavor i think this one kind of stands out as like oh that's interesting it kind of reminds me of um something something like one and only or hand on heart from empire you know where it's kind of like that more upbeat kind of you know type of type of sound um i i really i really like one of the things that they do you know to your point about the guitars is like if you listen like in the left ear the guitar is doing like the low like a low just like a kind of power chord thing and in the right ear it's like a big like you know up the net kind of like big kind of high chords and stuff like that and it it makes a really cool balance and i i, I like that they didn't really mix it in the center of, of the mix because i was like man did they really like pan those right and left and i i pulled out my you know one bud i was like okay and then you know pulled out the other and put the other one back in and like holy crap yeah they just have one solid on the left and one solid on the right and it, it makes for a really cool sound so i really like that about this song it's funny you said the word happy. I literally have in my notes here, this is the only time as far as I know that they actually go to sort of a major key during the course like that. <laughs> I mean, it ends up going back to minor after that, but there actually yeah. is a major key moment there. It is kind of happier. Yeah, I you know, I have in here, It's this is another one, Eddie Jackson kind of drives it again, you know. Um, they get one of their signature thing, which is uh, sort of those broken, clean guitar lines. Yes. You know, that support the chunkier riffs, you know, those those things that they're just were just so prevalent, uh, prevalent on on, you know, Mind Crime and Empire. You know, the, those are the foundations of a lot of those those songs. It wasn't the riffs. It was it was just those killer, clean, you know, broken guitar lines that, that supported all that, that that really made those songs songs stand out. And then you get a nice, healthy dose of that on here. Yeah, totally agree. Um, well, uh, let's get to the song that might be the one I can do without here and there um forest i like it um it, it to me it's it, it's almost like if you know silent lucidity met the bridge you know from promised land it's kind of like a combination of those two songs i mean it, you know it, it's 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 very simple it's very plaintive and catchy so i really like it um it, a lot of emotion in this one the one thing i will say though like i thought that it could be spruced up a little bit. Like I was definitely hearing if, if they would add like some piano to it and kind of make that, a you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a prominent part, honestly, because I thought that would make it a little bigger and more lush. I just thought it would fit the vibe of the song a little better. Um, so, yeah, this is a good song, but, you know, I, I this one, you know, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't dislike it, but I can't say I love it. But, I mean, it's good. What do you think? Well, I know last night Todd said it was about basically losing a parent, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clear your throat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've, um, I've, got, I've got camera lag problems and you've got throat problems. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm losing my voice here. But, uh, yeah, I... This song is, uh, he said it was about losing a parent and stuff, so you you know, so you know, can relate to the emotion of it. Honestly, if, if this song was playing and I didn't know that this was Queensryche, I'd have no idea. This one, yeah. to me, doesn't even really sound like Todd, doesn't really sound like Queensryche. Um, it kind of sounds like a folk song. You know, it's sort of like a, like you said, it's sort of an unfinished, silent lucidity. Um, maybe give us a couple progressions or more twists. But, you know, maybe they just wanted a song that was sort of simple and acoustic bass like this and i can i can respect that you know okay yeah like it i think that's the best way to phrase it like if if you didn't know it was queensrike 
God, I, my, my camera keeps freezing on the dumbest looks. Why, why is it always like when your camera freezes, it's, you look like an asshole? Why can't it like freeze when you're like at a nice smile like it's picture day? Goddamn computer. It's freezing like almost all the time, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. Like you wouldn't know like what band it is if they're like, hey, what band is this? And they played Forest for you. Like, no shit, really? Well, okay. Um moving on that brings us to realms um on this one i really like how it goes into the verse and i and i like the verse itself it's it's really interesting it's moody it's atmospheric but then all of a sudden it's a straight rocker you know i really like how they juxtapose those two things together um again another you know another cool chorus on this one so um this this is this is kind of a sleeper on the album for me i think i think you know when you get later in records you're kind of like okay you know, you're you're ready for the album to get to its conclusion. I think sometimes, and and this one, I was like, oh, cool, I like it. So I th- I think this is a good song, man. It's a it's a solid rocking tune. What do you think? Yeah, this this is uh ends up being I think my favorite on the on the album. It's it's close, um, but I think I'm gonna put this there. Uh, wow, I love okay. the the eerie guitar harmonies to start this off. Yeah, and uh, this th- there's a pretty decent rage order vibe on this one also. Um, we were talking before. This has those lower chugging muted guitars, um, and it only kind of happens, I think, in the first two verses. And they're panning them left and right, you know. And I, I love when they do that, you know, when they're muted like that. And it's like, okay, Rage for Order, Noia Regal, that they do that to a T, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the other song I'm thinking of, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, that long breakdown where it's like ding ding, yeah, ding, ding, ding. you know, it's bouncing back and forth. And they're doing a real subtle thing with that um, to, to start this out. And uh, yeah, I mean, this I don't know. This this just feels this feels like dead on. They're actually writing and playing this song in like 1986, 1987 era. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. It, this this one just felt so classic, um, with a decent mix of rage, probably rage to to empire, like a, a, kind of a kind of a nice combo of all three, and still felt heavy. Yeah, and uh, I think I think this is the most classic one that they that they had on here i don't know it just it really took me back to that time but it still sounded modern and fresh and it's still just ripped yeah totally agree yeah this 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 is this is definitely a really solid song and and you know it's it's cool to me because i know like the tendency for a lot of bands is to kind of front load records and i don't i don't feel like they did that and you know on this album and i think realms is a perfect example of that because you know they just you know, they they stuck a really goddamn good song, like two songs before the end of the record, which is you don't see that a lot, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we got two more songs left. Uh, second, well, technically three, but we don't have to talk about Rebel Yell. But of the original material, we've got two songs left. So uh, second to last, we have Hold On. Uh, I really like the chord selections and the clean parts of the verse. Um, it's very kind of promised land ish. Uh, it's kind of wonky and a little bit weird and i like that i i really like that um again another yet another big chorus i mean if if you're if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the album i think you'll dig it just for the choruses alone there's a lot of melody to dig into there um you know i I really liked hearing something weird like you know like i just said like promised land ish because i mean you you just used the perfect word a minute ago when you said fresh and it, it's like i like how this record you can you can oh that's kind of rage for order that's kind of mind crime well that's kind of empire and 
you know, there are like two or three moments on here that sound like Promised Land, which is cool because I think that's a very, very unheralded record. Um, that's honestly one that I would like to deep dive at some point because I just think that record does not get enough love. Like I, I know, I know we're going to have Paul Logue back on here at some point when we line up our schedules and we're going to do Empire with him. But I mean, I, I'd really like to dig into Promised Land because I think that's very underrated, and I, I really like the writing on it because it's that wonky sound, but not trying too hard. And I think this has a little bit of that feel to it in in this song. So, um, what are your thoughts on Hold On? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, and I wish I'd kind of put Promised Land in here, but I'll piggyback off of that because what my my notes basically say it starts with those dissonant guitars, and that's yeah. kind of what Promised Land was about. But but you end up with probably the biggest and massive '80s anthemic chorus yeah. on the whole album, right? You know, so you go from you know that juxtaposition of the two types of sounds, you know, in, in, in between to get there, you've got once again those some of those broken singular clean lines, you know, thick shades of another rainy night, you know, possibly type things going on there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, I, lo- I love the chorus on this man. This is a feel good song. Yeah, this is. Again, you know, you don't usually see bands backloading albums these days, and this one definitely is another example of it. So um, very interesting, I thought. Uh, Closing the record, at least again, the original stuff, uh, one of the longer Queensryche songs you'll ever see, Tormentum. And, I mean, this is is definitely their... Uh, there's there's definitely some dream theater moments in this one, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, it's it's this one's like heavy. It's kind of proggy, and you know, it starts out like a straight up rocker, and then the middle is just weird, and I, I love it. You know, Casey Grillo's doing all that weird drum stuff, like the flams on the snare, and it's just I you know, it's just such a left turn right in the middle of something that seems like a pretty straightforward song, and it it's to me. I, th- I think this is the most mind crime esque song on the record because of that. You know, it kind of you know it kind of reminds you of like Sweet Sister Mary, where there's that breakdown in the middle. That's a little more straightforward, I think. You know, with like the sound effects and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it, you know, I think this is very much in that vein. And for that reason, I I, re- I really like this song. And it's kind of one of those. You know, we we talked about dream theater songs that are long and you don't realize it i I think you know for a queensrike song i I think this one's approaching eight minutes um you don't realize that you're listening to an eight minute queensrike song it's not like you know when iron maiden is like hey here's an 11 minute song you're like oh christ like just get to the point like stop it like you could take this song could be half this length like this song does not do that it's interesting throughout and it rocks in parts it's it's kooky in parts it it's a it's a phenomenal album closer i think i i I really really like this song so there is one caveat to this song and you have to fully admit there's 50 percent raining blood and (laughs) and 50 percent mr scary with the main guitarists (laughs) yeah i mean they are there plain as day you can't run you cannot hide from it so don't nobody even try i'm not saying it's a bad thing <laughs> but they are there. They, I mean, they slam you right in the face, and you're like, "This, this is rain and blood." I mean, let's not even, let's not even pretend. Has Has any other podcast ever posited the fact that a Queensrÿche song sounds like both Slayer and and Dokken at the same yeah. time? <laughs> no, but that that one recurring guitar line that comes after it. I mean, that's that's straight out of Mister Scary, which that's totally fine because, like you said, there's the very cool part, and I, I marked it down. It's three o two. 
that killer breakdown, there's a spoken word about the Geneva Convention, I guess yeah. the rules around what's allowed for torture, which doesn't yeah. that always crack you up? Like, okay, we're going to make up rules about, you know, war and torture. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make sure everyone <laughs> follows those. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we just tried to bomb and kill your entire family, but we're, we're not allowed to torture you. We have all these rules we wrote down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but, you can't do that, dude. Yeah, no, that's that's illegal. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, those, those like those evil, chunky riffs, and there's a at one point there's a almost like gothic uh you know, keyboard choir sound, you know, behind some of the stuff that's going on with the guitar and like those drums you're saying. And uh yeah, this is a this is a freaky, scary way to sort of end, end an album. The last the last uh I don't know, six minutes are, are kinda you know, really sort of chaotic and uh it's cool though. I like the way they end it. Yeah, this is this is an awesome album ender, I think, and um it puts a nice nice cap on I mean what I think is is you know, definitely the strongest Latori record, uh, and, and I, I, I think again, I, a record that stands up against the classic stuff that everybody wants to hear. I mean, I think you know the set list last night proved that the songs that they played. And which which four did they play? I know they played in Extremis and they played behind, you know, behind the walls. What what were the other two? I, I'm drawing a blank. Um, on... They played Sick Death. That's right. And was was there only three then? Maybe there was. I thought it was four, but so uh, behind the wall, an extremist, sick death, and forest. Yeah, four. Forest. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And no, damn it, no lost in sorrow. So oh, no bitch. lost in sorrows and no realms. I was like, I was kind of bummed on that. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, there'll there'll be other shows. Maybe maybe we'll get that since they're doing deep cuts. Maybe they're considering that a deep cut, and we'll, you know, if they do another leg of the tour, maybe we'll catch them somewhere, and you know, we'll get uh, we'll get that song. So that'll be cool, but. Yeah. yeah, dude, very, very, very good album. Uh, it was, it was, it was a blast to dig into it because you know I liked it when I heard it before, but I didn't really go back to it a ton. And now that I have, I'm like, God, I'm gonna keep listening to this. You know, when I'm putting in like Promised Land or Rage for Order or something like that, I'm gonna definitely you know put this one in too. So, a lot of lot, like you said, there's a lot of anthemic moments on this one, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, easily the best album you know since going back to promised land i don't even think there's <laughs> a point in yeah. debating that right yeah but uh yeah i mean I, I i hope that you know it's always tricky like trying to especially when you have as many hits and classic albums as they have it, it would be cool if they could come out and maybe play two sets you know one sets all the new stuff and another sets all the hits or you know or maybe just keep mixing it like this i wish we could get and I don't know if his voice could stand up to that, but man, I would love to get. So we had sixteen total songs, right? I think is what I got mm -hmm. here, and that's counting my empty room. Which you know, whether or not you want to say that's a, I mean, it, it is, a, <laughs> it is a song, right? But it's a very small. But man, I'd love to just get a, you know, twenty-two, twenty-three, you know, just an, an evening with or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give me twenty-five songs of Queensrÿche, and you know the. Give me the the total best heavy hitters of the Latori era, and just getting just all the hits and and some deep dives, you know. Yep, would would be awesome. Like so, I guess I'm what I'm wanting is like nine more songs. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see an evening with, and it was it would be interesting. Like, do all the hits in the first set, and then right. pull out pull out the crazy stuff for the second set, and then the encores. You could do your Eyes of a Stranger or whatever. And right. Um. Although, I gotta say, man. Like one of the things I was I was going to mention when we were talking about the show, the show with uh, Robert was, um, you know, I I, I kind of compared Todd Latore to Miles Kennedy uh, with Slash. And, you know, I, I've seen him on 
all of the tours that he's done with Slash. And he's starting to he's still he's still hitting the notes, but you can tell now he's like picking his spots like he's doing a low version here or like not doing like a different melody that's lower there. And it's like, okay, and it, and part of me gets a little bummed and like, damn. Like cuz then you know it's like it's kind of like going south even if it's just a teeny bit you're like man i miss when he did everything and todd latore i mean this is his fourth album with the band man he didn't cheat anything i mean eyes of a stranger is always the one and i get it like they played it in the middle of the show instead of you know the last song like they normally do but still man those you know, those incredibly high verses, you know, no happy ending like they've always promised. Like, yeah. he, he, does, he does that, and, and, you know, the stuff, you know, after the bridge, I mean, he hits everything. And he sounds so damn good. So if I have to just get a regular Queensryche show instead of an evening with, and it means that he's going to keep sounding like this for a lot longer, I'll take a regular length show, man. <laughs> it's like and what one last thing and, the, and then we'll jump out of here like but Todd Latore it always amazes me that when he's hitting these high notes he's bent over from the waist like he's like doing a metal like a scream like oh but he's hitting these high notes I'm like how are you doing a note that high because I mean any other singer you see pretty much when they do a, a high note they gotta lean back and like really open everything up and he's doing the opposite like he is scrunching himself into like like a crouch like how does he do that I mean that is so strange to me that I mean what a delivery that's that's crazy yeah no he he's just a great great singer and a great addition to the band and um you know, I think we talked about this slightly off topic, but not really. So when we did the deep dive into mind crime, eyes of a stranger, like, is there any bigger metal anthem of all time at this point? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? That's that's a good question, man. Um, I, I don't, I don't like. Okay, uh, would you hear think, those? Would you hear like that, Doctor Davis? Like, the, I mean, yeah. do the hairs on the back of your neck still just stand up because you know that like this, this ridiculous riff is coming? And I and I just love that solo at the end where it's like, darn, da da darn, da da darn, da da. Yeah, it's not even doing anything that that complex, but it's so musically perfect for what it is, and it's like it builds to that point. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I think I have to. I usually have to put it in probably my top three. Or, yeah, or I, worst top five maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to place it on the list, but I, I will say this: like I do agree with you because I have a lot of friends who are not Queensrÿche fans that absolutely love that song. You know, they'll they'll flat out say they're like, "Man, I don't like Queensrÿche, but this song kicks ass." So there's that, and also, I mean, that song to me is like their pull me under. I mean, it launched. Yeah, you know, I mean. The, the album really wasn't doing much and then that song came out and it just exploded which you know got them their popularity and then of course empire comes along with you know jet city woman and right. silence and it's just so without eyes of a stranger i mean we who knows i mean they were they were talking about you know I, i've read some stuff where it was pretty dire circumstances for them at that point you know mm-hmm. doing that album and so i mean that's the song that kind of gave us Queensryche's you know career longevity so I think to your point yeah I mean 
I don't know where you would rank it on a list of metal anthems, quote unquote. But I mean, in terms of its importance to the band, just in, you know, just its importance to the band alone, it's huge. So I I totally agree with you on that, man. It, it's it's a huge, huge song. Yeah, and it's just one of those when you hear and and I don't care if you've heard it three million times. You know, I mean, there's stuff like crazy train i i just can't even hardly hear that song anymore you know? <laughs> hit, me, hit me too now bark at the moon that's another story but <laughs> but but you know but yeah i mean just, i don't know it's just one of those songs and i just started thinking about more and more like whenever i know it's you know because you know it's coming in the set at some point i, I was i was kind of surprised they ended the main set with that and then they came back and did the three classics which was cool yeah I, you know as i'd said on the way home i thought it was like maybe slightly anticlimactic because there was some people that were like I don't know what this roads to madness is. I'm going to get a jump on traffic. You know, not that there's any traffic to be to to, to worry about where we were. It was kind of a small area, but uh, yeah. But yeah, man, it's just one of those songs where it just like I don't know. It just gets me every time. Yeah. No, it's 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 phenomenal. I I could hear Eyes of a Stranger over and over and over again, and I mean, and and it, it, that's coming from a record that I could listen to over and over and over again, and I that's like the highlight. Uh, it's just god what a great what a great song you're you're not wrong just a great song so well great show man uh it was definitely a blast hanging out with you last night going to mckee's rocks pennsylvania and uh eating some really damn good funnel cake fries and catfish and your half pound burger that was about the size of i don't know a pile of quarters so we, we were we were in a bar that the interior looked like a basically a trailer from like 1972 or something that was the weirdest like the bathroom was like there was like paneling in there and then there was like the <laughs> there was like the pull the curtain for the for if you're going to go in the toilet area like that was the weirdest yeah. like i can't even just i wanted to take a picture not that i you know take too many pictures in the bathroom these days i try to cut down on that but <laughs> i did want people to see <laughs> i did want people to see what that was i was trying to describe it to jill and she's like yeah this sounds pretty and then all the chicks working there had like fifteen pounds of, of perfume on. Like I couldn't even breathe. It was just yeah. It was a it was a strange setup. And then so so real quick to to finish up, we never established. So I was home, pulling into my garage. I think it was like twenty after one. So what time did you get home after two? Then I guess, huh? Uh yeah, it was like two forty or two thirty or something. Okay. Yeah. I was I was absolutely starving, so I did stop at a gas station right around the corner from where I live. That's twenty four hours, and I grabbed some beef jerky. Okay. I, I'm like, dude, it, it was the point I was so hungry I was gonna throw up. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I've got to eat something, and like, I I keep hard boiled eggs in the fridge as a snack, and I'm like, I if I if I break as soon as the dogs hear hear one crack of the shell, they come running because they yeah. they like to eat the yolk. I'm like, I am not waking my wife up at quarter to three in the morning. <laughs> I will get castrated. So, but yeah, I mean, even even with a quick stop, it was still like two forty, I think two forty, two forty five. Well, at least you like didn't that. have to go to work. I'm still, I'm, I'm going to be going to bed like right after this podcast. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, as as my as my background shows, I I spent literally all day. I, I think I finally fell asleep. I was so amped up, I fell asleep at like four thirty, and I was back up at eight thirty to start watching the Masters. So, and I, I I'm doing it again tomorrow. Um, nice. So yeah, I, I'm definitely running running on fumes, but it's going to be like that probably most of the weekend so <laughs> my buddy circle j eggs asap oh my god yeah that's uh that's a story for another time eggs asap funyuns and taquitos uh good Ooh. god 
Oh yeah, that's that's a good story. I have to tell that sometime. Circle J is a legend. It's actually how he got his name, Circle J. But anyway, nice. So, well, yeah, good good hang last night, man. Good episode tonight. It's awesome talking about this record and digging into it with you. So, uh, to all you guys checking the show out, uh, once again, big thanks to our good friend Robert Husted. Uh, you're welcome on the show anytime, man. Uh, Chastity Crawley, good to see you. Uh, Ch- Kale McLeish, man. Like I said, it's been a while. So awesome to have you hanging out, Cody Bennett. Appreciate it. Uh, we are going to be right back here on Facebook. YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com and the CMSNetwork.com for our next episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast on Thursday, April 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to click the like button, click the subscribe button, and smash the notification bell. And uh, guys, we appreciate you, and we'll see you in two weeks. Brian, go get some rest. And uh, to the rest of you guys, as always, carpe diem.